Hello, welcome to the Alongsider uh, podcast, Finding Your Place and uh, Taking Your Place. And I'm really delighted to in- introduce um, a good friend of mine and colleague, Mark Richards. Uh, hello. And uh, Mark, would you like to just tell us where you where you, where you find yourself placed um, just at this moment and what's about to happen? <laughs> hello, Philip. Um, yeah, uh, Mark Richard, uh, I'm currently placed in a beautiful spot on the southern tip of the Isle of Arran, um, just off the west coast of Scotland. So moved here 15 years ago and um, commuting back and forth to Newcastle where I was working at the time, and then post-COVID moved here permanently. Um, so, yeah, that's where I am. I'm I'm actually a Welshman, uh, left Wales at 14 years old to move to England as my father's job um, did, demanded it, um, and then spent most of my working life in, in, uh, in England and uh, a few other places around Europe before. I guess going into semi-retirement, but it, it, it feels more like full-time work um, and and living on the Isle of Arran. So Welshman moved to England and now Scotland. So just Ireland to, to tick off the bucket list. Brilliant. And uh, it, uh, it's interesting because uh, we were going to start um, earlier on this morning and something happened, and uh, which is life. Uh, we had to rearrange and we were able to. And uh, isn't that a testament to how adaptable we are? But uh, you did men- you did mention just then that there was um, something that was imminently about to uh, limit your movements as well that was coming your way. Well, yeah, we uh, where where we live, we we actually live in a uh, on a, I guess you'd call it a promontory, right on the southern tip of the island. So we get the very very best of the weather, and we're close to the um, the Gulf Stream here. And so the summer and the early summer and the spring are beautiful, but the winters are harsh, very much so. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's another big storm coming in um, off the island for a few days. So just got to make sure everything's tied down and mm. in the places. Uh, otherwise, we'll find it in uh, uh, in fields far and wide. Well, on the, on this occasion, we, uh, we're in the same place because I know that when I'm in Kent and uh, there, there's a storm coming, my wife has been tying things down around the place and uh, <laughs> whatever, yeah. but we're expecting some high winds as well. Um, you and I know each other because uh, another um, uh, calamity, uh, the pandemic hit and uh, and as it happened, it was just about that time when you and I knew each other through a common client based up in um, in Newcastle. Uh, but we got talking about what you were focusing on, which was OKRs. And uh, I've tagged you as Mark Richards, the master OKR coach. And uh, and I know from my own experience, because you've, uh, you've come alongside me in this, uh, as I've sought to look, about, uh, look at what next. Um, and I guess it resonates with this finding um, my place. Um, and taking my place, you've been of great um, value to me in in those conversations. But um, maybe in that context around OKRs, which I know something you're, uh, which is sort of uh, something that's important to you at the moment. But would, uh, if if someone was going to introduce you uh, to the room, um, what might they say? Somebody who knows you quite well. Um. If it was as an OKR coach, it's uh, I guess I was probably one of the early adopters, uh, certainly in in the UK, working with it through through good fortune. Really, a colleague of mine, um, we were working in a uh, 
coaching association, really. And uh, he was asked to quote for a piece of work and uh, invited me along. Um, we we were unsuccessful, although we gave it a great shot, but it piqued our interest. And this was back in 2016, early 2016, when, um, yes, the, the method had been used for many, many years in Silicon Valley, but it was just crossing crossing the Atlantic, being picked up by particularly tech companies and scaling tech companies. And we were we were really working in that in that field ourselves uh, in the northeast of England. So we were invited in to pitch for this work. We didn't get it, but um, we found it a really interesting field to explore. And that's what we did. So we adopted the method ourselves. We felt we could be our own teachers um and started to use it we we got into lots of discussion and i would say nessay arguments uh, we had a third director with us who um very strong uh in this in the field of consulting and coaching too so we had a a great little team together um my my concern at the time was that there was no uh opportunity to actually find out more and really get to the heart of what this was all about there were very few if any books published on the subject um, it was difficult to access. Just as a reminder, what does OKR stand for? Well, OKRs is uh, our um, objectives and key results. Uh, it's uh, basically a tool for um, converting or using and facilitating strategy uh, and executing strategy. So you identify your strategy in a, in a normal way that any business would. And, and once having created it, we then sort of tease out what the obstacles are, what are things going to get in the way of landing a successful uh, business plan. Um, and that requires imagination. It requires energy. It requires great communication. Um, it, it, it means getting to the heart of things, the focus, uh, getting everyone in behind you as an aligned, uh, in an aligned fashion. Uh, being ambitious and uh, you know with what you're seeking to do and um, and then tracking your progress and that's where the key results come in there the metrics and, 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 and of the applications that you've seen it um, which which one sort of uh, lifts your heart a bit around uh, I mean I know there's a there's a very famous story it might be that one but um, is there anything else that actually uh, really resonates with you as where it's been really well, successful. I think I think that the great OKR is is a call to action, and it, it this did start with uh, uh, allegedly. I think that's the truth with with Intel and Andy Grove back in the nineties uh, or uh, late eighties, nineties under pressure. Uh, Intel. He was leading Intel from Motorola. Uh, and needed to buy time to get his new product to market and uh, created the um, rallying cry Operation Crush, which was really to um, disrupt Motorola in all of their areas of, of, of uh, effort around the world and what they were doing and just to buy himself time or the company time to get their new products to market. This is well documented by... John Doerr in his book, Measure What Matters, uh, and John John himself was an intern at Intel and took the method when he left to join Kleiner Perkins, um, an investment company, uh, again, on the West Coast USA. And they were early invested in Google, and the method went in early and, and has stayed with Google to this day. But many, many people have picked it up, uh, those who left Google to form and found other high-tech companies in the West Coast uh, have used it, and now it's it's basically widespread across the world. We have clients 
everywhere uh, uh, across the world. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's crossed the chasm. Um, it's in common usage, but it's, it is difficult, and it's it's difficult to to, to begin with. Um, and we learned our lessons the hard way, uh, using it ourselves, and then we uh, reached out to others who were using it, practitioners. Uh, we actually created an OKR for ourselves. I mentioned a call to action, which was get where the action is, because there were very few clients in the Northeast who were really uh, aware of it or interested in it at the time. So, But there was a opportunity further afield, or there are opportunities. Uh, and we followed those, got where the action is, which was which was our rallying cry. And uh, the key results were, let's meet as many specialists as we can in the next three months. And we put a number against that. And then we, we set a, a series of tasks to get those meetings in place, which is really the essence of the method. It's 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 how what I'm going to do right now, right now, this moment, and how does that lead to the the uh, objective I'm trying to reach, and uh, you mm. know what is the golden thread, mm. uh, and we talk about that, and that's how we we coach. And that that's the thing that I I uh, really found powerful uh, with you alongside me is this. Okay, you can talk, and and for as a coach, so. Uh, high level coaching is fundamentally about well you know where are we now what's going well and what would make it even better and that's um that's a shift to a to a place of improvement a better place etc so it's it's always i mean coaching is about performance ultimately but it's very tangible so it's about outcomes so what outcomes are we really looking for? Well, we want to be free to be able to take the next step. That's an outcome, actually. Well, what needs to be in place to enable us to or Intel to take the competition by storm, et cetera? But the thing that really um, uh, um, motivated me around you was, okay, I hear what you say. Well, what are you going to do? You know? And ultimately, it's about what you do that shifts the dial, which moves the whole thing. And ultimately, it's about action, but it's right action. Um, so for me, uh, OKRs was a wonderful addition to coaching in the executive context or whatever, wherever you find yourself, or mentoring, actually, because ultimately it begs the question, well, okay, well, knowing what you know now, what are you going to do differently? So it takes you to the plan. It takes you to the... Um, what are we going to start doing, stop doing, do more of or less of? But it's those things which are aligned to where uh, we want to get to. And it seems to me in speaking to um, the C-suite, uh, the, the, whoever's responsible for, for actually sailing the ship, if you like, is what they really want is everyone on board and focusing on the things that matter. So this OKR thing um, is a way of alignment um, and and much better conversations of, on review um again where you and i met the first time talking about okls which was the company based in uh, newcastle um nudge education founded by um diego who's a lovely brazilian and his colleague brian um and i coached them at the beginning because they, they said we know how to do this thing and their thing is about eradicating exclusion from education for young people it's a wonderful mission because most people give up and they found a method, um, and it was about creating a model and then replicating it. So this is this scaling up thing. And they adopted OKRs because of you and your colleagues um, right from the beginning, and, and they're now seven years on. 
and it's gone phenomenally well. And just as a simple metric, um, they they now work with about seventy local authorities, and their aim is to get to the rest, which is sort of nigh on four hundred. So it always struck me that at the heart of a good OKR was some kind of measure um, that, that, yes. that had meaning and, and and systemically as much as anything else. But it also gets people's attention. Well, I, I think that's right, and I think I remember a, a great story of a friend of mine who was a, a sportswear designer, and that was uh, I, I I spent my early years in product management as a Unilever uh, graduate trainee, and that was in. Uh, well, it was actually in home furnishings, which is a division of of Unilever, the Nen International Group. Uh, ultimately, um, Unilever divested itself of the Nen Group uh, ten years in to my career, uh, as they um, as they focused on FMCG groceries, etc. But um, the the story he told me was that if if you're very clear on where you want to get to, you'll find. Others will conspire with you, uh, and I love that term. It's not a word you'd normally use in that context, but um, it's almost furtive, isn't it? But yeah, they will they will help you. They will they will reach out with you because they know where you're trying to get to, and if you're passionate about that, then then you you know that will be the journey that you go on. So um, I, I remember that. Um, you know, be very clear about where you're trying to get to. I remember those early days um, because we were using OKRs in the accelerator program. Uh, I was working with uh, David Anderson and and obviously Peter Kerr, my my co-founders, our co-founders at uh, at the company we had in um, OKR specialism. And uh, I I can almost remember the session. I, maybe uh, maybe this is just my imagination, but. Uh, no child left behind uh, was was what came out of that session, which That's was not education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. an absolutely marvelous um, rallying cry, uh, and it was it was about making sure that those children who had dropped out of the education system for whatever reason were given access and they helped uh, back into it, and and that was the mission of the organisation. Uh, and yes, I'm delighted to know that they're still using OKRs. Um, but yeah, we've 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 seen it work. Um, it's it's not a quick journey, but um, it's a great method for retaining focus, having people conspire with you because they're understanding where you're trying to get to, and and you'll find they will help you along your way as well if if they if they know where you're trying to go. And I think that's for me. I, I surprise people sometimes. I was talking yesterday. Um, in a training or coaching session with a company in uh, in the renewable energy field uh, in in Eastern Europe, which was, and then the next minute I'm I'm talking to somebody uh, in the U.S. who's in a similar kind of business to what we've just discussed, social care. But I've I've said to both this is this tool above all for me is a tool about communication. Mm. It it's about making sure that everybody uh, in the organisation. And that includes the C-suite. They, you know, agree on the sense of direction or the where we're trying to get to, um, and communicate it, and communicate our progress, and communicate the things that we need to do to uh, enhance our progress, and 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 so on, and link it all together. And businesses are a hundred times more complex than they were when I started my career. And media, the media we use, is is much more um, helpful but challenging too. 
um, and and we're all working remotely. Uh, well, not all, but many are working remotely, and companies are, may never meet their employees, but because they're working across the world, so a, a sense of common purpose uh, that that uh, is measurable in terms of its results um, is a massive benefit. And and actually, where we saw this work really well was during COVID. You mentioned it, uh, working with a large South African. Uh, well, African and, and international uh, investment bank. Um, and they used OKRs right throughout. And it was very important for them because everyone was working remotely, but it kept everyone on the message. Uh, and they're using it strongly to this day. So that, that's brilliant. Because I, I, I think that brings to life a bit um, more of where OKRs now are, because it's not new, obviously, and it's on the shoulders of a lot of management science. Um Peter Drucker said that um, um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, and uh, so if you don't connect, so I, the, the area that interests me most in, not most, but a lot in, in OCAS is, is the setting up phase. So I think that's one thing that I learned from you and Peter, uh, particularly was that how important it was to get the the prepare the ground is it the right time to do this to 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 intervene with this with this approach but um i just wanted to pause for a moment just on that you've got a sense now um those of you who are listening to this of of mark and his um i do i would add you probably don't know but he's been md of of, uh, several uh, businesses um very successfully um he also worked with unilever big global company um, and managed to navigate the complex organization there as well. Um, I always remember that story you told me about you pitched for some bit of work which you got and you were quite surprised to get and then it dawned on you what would happen next. Do you remember you remember telling yes. me? Yes. <laughs> yes. So I was a I think I was marketing manager, product group manager, um, again in the home furnishings area. And I don't mind saying who the company was, the client was. It was Marks and Spencer, and uh, we managed we we manufactured our own uh, branded products, and they were they were successful. We were uh, you can imagine with Unilever investment behind us, we we had state of the art equipment, and we were probably one of the best, most technically advanced in the field of home furnishing. I'm talking here about wall coverings and uh, matching fabrics and all of that. The area of you remember coordination and Home, home furnishings coordination, which was a big thing back in the 80s. Um, and yeah, Marks and Spencer were interested in this. They were early into home furnishings too, and they're still very, very strong in that area. And our sales director invited me to go with him to uh, to pitch to Marks and Spencer. Um, and we did, and it was um, a successful pitch I think um, and we were invited back I was invited back a, a couple of weeks later to to really go into the detail about what it might look like if we were doing um, white label for them uh, so in in I went um, bright eye bushy tail down to Baker Street head office Met with the senior buyers there, met with the, one of the buying directors, again, talked about uh, the business that we had and how we worked. I was a product manager. I knew exactly how products were conceived, designed, manufactured, et cetera. That was my my, my kind of skill set at the time. Um, not selling at all. But um, by this time, the sales director you know, realized that this was going to be a job not so much about selling, but 
but really creating new product, working together with with a, a client alongside you. And I think the third visit, uh, I came out of there really probably quite joyous. I think, gosh, I think we've won this. And in fact, I know we have. Uh, and I, I was in those days. I'd fly up and down from, from Newcastle, and I can almost remember I was I was on the Piccadilly line, going out to the uh, to the airport, and you know, quietly, smugly congratulating myself that I thought, oh, gosh, this is this could turn the company's fortunes. Actually, this could be so big. And then realizing actually that. The sales director who had sold it in was really not going to have very much to do with this at all because that wasn't his area of expertise. And the only one who probably could do this was going to be me. But it was an enormous responsibility. And if it failed, that's probably going to be the end of me and my because I'm going to have to really put all my efforts into this. this is going to have to be the major thing I do. Uh, but if it succeeded on the other side, there was going to be an upside. So it was that I think that was probably the first time, Philip, in my in my career when I kind of realized that um, either step up or step out. And, and, and you know what, I, I don't think I had much of a choice. So I don't, I don't count myself as being particularly brave, but I just thought I'm going to have to go all in here and, and make this happen. And, and what it did was, again, this is where it, I think speaks to OKRs. It, 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 it meant that even at my level, and I'm, let's say I'm, you know, partway up the organization, by now um but i needed horizontal influence across the organization i needed vertical influence and all of those things that that great okrs can offer which is that sort of connect interconnectivity of in an organization at different levels um and you know all of a sudden you're running this project so the the realization was crikey this could go terribly badly wrong and and uh, you know we'll, we'll invest a huge amount of money and it'll come to naught, or it could make it could be a game changer for us. And pleased to say, in the end, it, it, that's what it became. And other clients, because of the kudos, I guess, of, of manufacturing to the high standards of uh, Marks and Spencer demanded, um, were very interested, and and our business grew from there. So and my career too, uh, the sales director left. Shortly after that, um, and a year or so later, I was promoted to sales director and had responsibility for the whole product area. So, yeah, it, it was a it was kind of a turning point, I guess. Because um, I, I love that story, and uh, and also you you said that at, at some point that the business the wider business divested itself of it, and that meant you as well. That's right. Yes, Unilever sold us to uh, a Swiss business uh, called Forbo. Um, Still very, very strong, uh, very, a very strong operation specialist in, in flooring uh, and decorative products. Um, and they sold me with it. So, yes, I, I, we had no option. Um, I was delighted to stay there uh, and, and worked there for another three or four years before venturing into, into the sporting goods field, which was... So what happened, what triggered the, if we go back, to, if we just are reminding ourselves of finding our place and taking our place, um, what was it that, that um, took you to that new place? Because uh, the bit I didn't say at the beginning of this is that another love of your life, if I may use it uh, that way, and I'm not talking about your lovely wife, but... Um, is rugby yeah well being Welshman I guess that comes with goes without saying and uh, being brought up in South Wales in the 70s um 
it was like living in Newcastle and and not being a Newcastle United fan. I mean, you you in Wales in South Wales, these great su- superstars of the game were were in your next town, your next village, and and very identifiable. And the, the sport was as passionately followed as as uh, if not more so than than it is now. So yeah, I had I I guess I I fell into it, but um, loved it and kept playing rugby right up to my forties. So um, at, at amateur level. Uh, and I think I think what happened when I when I was coming towards the end of my um, more serious rugby uh, that I felt that a career in sport would be where I wanted to move and and whilst I enjoyed those ten years in the home furnishings area, um, I think the time was right for me to move on. There was a newly appointed a good friend of mine, managing director. He was four or five years older than I was. And I felt that that, that was going to block any progress for me. I was by then sales and marketing director. I was made uh, and I was offered a job by um, the great North run company, uh, Nova international to head up their sports, their new sportswear division um, as MD. And, and the management of that company were the former European management of Nike and they had taken Nike um, across uh, across Europe and made a great success of it. Gone out and set out on their own, and they wanted someone to run their sportswear business alongside the the running business that was the uh, great run company now, as it's now known. So that's what I did, and I was there ten years. Ironically, um, we built the business. It was never never a, an enormous brand, but it was uh, substantial. It was it was very active in the running market, um, and ultimately we sold it to Marks and Spencer. So there's a, <laughs> a kind of a, a little what goes around comes around there, I guess. Because the theme also sort of in some way the strands that are in this. I, I remember you were talking about another OKR client you had, which was Welsh based. So you had Wales, and I'm sure there must have been an influence of rugby in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. But it was about actually promoting Wales, and um, you 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 mentioned that there was a you got some the good and the great of Wales to come together to. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, that was good. That is, a, it's a great organisation, Global Welsh, um, and predominantly the organisation is is uh, made up of people who are um, either senior managers. Um, who have been ex- or expatriates, I, I would imagine, from across the world, who have an interest in in Wales and and the Welsh economy, and yeah, there've been some. There are some very senior people. Uh, head of Rolls Royce was a Welshman. He was involved. There were various other people across the, in the US who. And the idea was to see if you could give help, not, not necessarily financial help, but opportunities for. Um, Welsh businesses, uh, Welsh youngsters to get business experience, um, and it, it's it's going well. It's it's a it's a great organisation. They, they highlight investment opportunities for people to inwardly invest in Welsh companies, um, and I suppose it, it sort of pulls on the heartstrings of being a, a Welshman. Um, so this is the diaspora. It's that's basically what it is as an organisation. Recognising there's probably more Welsh people or people of Welsh descent living outside Wales and then are living in Wales. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that, that they adopted OK as one of our first um, clients that we adopted where we we work pro bono. Um, and we, we only had three or four sessions with them, but helped them, helped them with the method. Uh, and I believe 
some of the things that we did at the beginning and they're probably still using. So, yeah. And if great. we ask them, uh, the, the, those people who were exposed to, to, to you in that you and your, um, I guess it was, was that Peter? Um, with you yes. That? Yeah. What would they say it was like to have you alongside? I, th I think one of the great things about what we're offered through the opportunities with being OKR coaches is that we are, um, first of all, I would say in all the years that I've been a, a director of a business, there's been less than the fingers of one hand, number of times you've had an external coach, consultant, or anybody or any party sitting in on your board meetings. It just doesn't happen. But by the nature of the way OKRs work, you start at the top with the C-suite and really to get them to agree on what their main priorities are. We are in that boardroom. Uh, and I think in that we're in a very privileged position, but also we don't just sit on our hands um, and observe. You know, We are participants in that board meeting. And I think what we can do because the power of naivety being able to ask what we what might consider in that environment obvious questions or not obvious or stupid questions but to be able to ask them and with really no fear no no comeback um can be a very powerful thing and it, and it can help the the flow of the conversation because you're challenging things and you're challenging because you haven't come across this before you're asking these questions, which is, but tell me why you're doing it that way. Or why, why, why was that decision made? Or can you explain uh, how you came to that point of view about where you're going next? Or what are the things that are stopping? And these questions are sometimes ones which even the, the managing director in the room or the chairman can't ask because they're too sensitive or they're, yeah, they're, they're the hot potato that, that sometimes doesn't want to be held. Um, but we kind of just go straight in there and ask it. Um, and we call it surfacing the issues, Philip. We, we just get all of that up and to the surface. And, and, and inevitably, those people who maybe have their arms crossed looking out of the window thinking, this is a waste of time, you, they they're into the conversation. And they're in there fighting and they're in there, you know, contributing um, and it's a very powerful, very powerful place to be. So um, the alongside bit is, I think, for me, we can be the the best friend or the ally of the CEO in that room. I, I enjoy the one-to-ones with the chief execs or the, the senior director who's running the project and having a, a conversation like this where you're really trying to get to the heart of the matter. You, know, you really are. And... Yes, I, because of my own business experience, I can sometimes bring a few ideas myself to play. But it's not—we're not acting as consultants in that environment. We're we're asking questions to help them form and come to the right conclusions about where they're going. And those conversations are very, very valuable. So, what what occurs to me um, is uh, what is valuable. What is the thing that um, I value having you alongside? Um, a key a key um, thing is encouragement and uh, and encouragement uh, but encouragement to focus and do the right thing focus on the thing that matters but encouragement actually mean is to do with the heart it's to do what you care about and it strikes me that what you do um, is in your own way 
uh, is you you identify what Matt you said the rocks you know identifying the the, the the significant issues. I also heard somebody saying the other day that actually there are rocks the things that need to be dealt with you know identified and surfaced, but there are also pebbles in your shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those also need to be identified. So I mean, it's 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 something about it's not it's about knowing what matters. And I think mm-hmm. that's sort of you know the, 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 this this thing. But you are a great uh, encourager. You mentioned your colleague earlier on um, about conspire. Um, I wonder what to what degree would you would you would you call him an uh, an alongsider for you? Yes, yes, he he was. Um, I, I think that you know business is a tough place to be, um, and and I think as a managing director in a, in an organ, I was MD of the sports were business at that time, and we were um, constantly under under pressure for you know growth results, you name it. Um, quite rightly so. Um, you know, welcome to the to the world where you're not working for the biggest brand in the world and you're an underling somewhere and uh, you know you you don't have the responsibility as md you have it all um and and there's been several occasions in more many occasions in my career where you found that you're in a very lonely place uh, you know you you are maybe you you're the newly appointed managing director of a company that's had external investment um and the founder is still around, sitting in the wings, maybe as a non-executive chairman, or you know, still has a minority shareholding, and and he, and he or they or she has the relationship with the uh, with the investors. Uh, you've got the board of directors that you've just been parachuted in to lead, who all believe they should have had your job in the first place. So you're you're in a in a in a lonely place. You know you you've got to make a difference. You've got to you've got to drive to where you need the business to be, uh, and you you don't have that many allies. Um, you've got to win them over, and you know obviously you can do that by force of personality, hopefully. Uh, but some of the decisions you have to take and make are not pleasant or uh, popular. And I think as a coach in that environment, I think that we can play a really important role, which was it. You know, we're their new best friend. We we can they can have off off record conversations with us. We have a plan. We will help them with the plan to how they can get to where they want to be, and we'll use OKRs to do that. But that best friend, that that let let's put an arm around. I think that's what that designer did for me. Someone who's who's basically an ally, a co-conspirator, if you will, but who really is a is a great supporter in that. And someone you can bounce ideas, talk about, talk openly about. Um, and and I think, as I say, as a coach, I've found that really helpful. I've I've kind of probably have a little bit of empathy with the person who's in that position because I've been there several times, and it's as I said, it's a lonely place. But when you do identify someone who can really offer help, um, not in a managerial sense, you don't want them on the on the books, but you can have those conversations with. Um, really really valuable uh i wouldn't necessarily call them mentors but but they're people that are have been there as themselves they've done the same thing they've been through that experience then you can share it with them and and help them realize that it's 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 they're not in a unique position but there are ways out and through it um so so what i'm hearing there it's it it is about courage it's giving people courage to take 
responsibility to make decisions which might be quite you know challenging or difficult which which is certainly something which is commonplace one of the things that i uh, do as a coach uh, when i'm working with somebody is is often i'll use a tool called the enneagram which i mentioned at the beginning uh, this is um at least 3000 years old and it's 3000 years observation of people it seems um from observation this isn't from some AI tool or whatever. It, it's just from a human observation of people. There's nine different types of energy. Um, and it's the motivation for using our energy that distinguishes between the types. Um, Enia means nine in Greek. Gram, uh, gram means written down. Uh, and there are subtypes. And it's sort of nature-nurture. Uh, it's We are innately most likely to be motivated for using our energy in a certain way. It's called personality, really. It's probably most psychologists would say it's that. Um, and and the types are very quickly are, are um, the strict perfectionist, the considerate helper, the competitive achiever, the intense creative, the quiet specialist, the loyal skeptic. My wife's a loyal skeptic. She was she's aware of absolutely everything that might go wrong, uh, and when she pushes through that fear, she's the one you want in the room because yeah. she's the one who'll push through the fear. Uh, and the pandemic, she was amazing um, at getting us organised. There's the seven, which is the enthusiastic visionary. We could do this. We could do that. We could do this. We could do the other. This is the entrepreneur, probably. Um, one of the most annoying signs, actually, in, in, in my experience, seven, but also one of the most intriguing uh, and enthusing and conspiring, actually. Um, and then there's the eight, the active controller um, that puts their arms around whatever they've decided to make their own and protect it from um, being knocked off course or hurt or injured or whatever. And then there's the adaptive peacemaker. This is the mediated energy uh, that will, once it gets going, will 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 actually act on the right thing. Um, a big commentator on Enneagram says that this is the archetypal energy uh, of Adam and Eve, right at the top of the Enneagram. Um, and the top of the Enneagram, it links through action um, of different types, strictly correct action or just protective action, or mediated energy. And the right-hand side is the two, the considerate helper and the achiever, etc. This is the relational side, the who relating to what matters. And then this side is the thinking. And we need all of it. And what Enneagram is saying is you've got access to all of it. So uh, you can use this individually uh, and you can use this as a team. And it's a useful um, tool, I think, for, for just revealing what's there, what's available as you set out on the mission. So I wonder if any of our, uh, uh, you can see more on this on, on my website, but I wonder if um, uh, any of our listeners will have guessed which type um, Mark is. Do you remember what type you are, Mark? Um, I, I think uh, I think I do, and that's the um, quiet specialist, yeah? yeah? Okay, so I don't think anybody's going to be surprised at that. But the thing that's really interesting about the, the, this is the Enneagram, um, either side of the five is the four, the intense creative. If you listen to what Mark's been saying, he's never doing the thing they're saying. He's actually working in a very um, uh, creative way to get the solutions. Um, and then there's the six. That's the risk. He wouldn't do anything else. But ultimately, the five has this link, direct line to the seven, 
this is the enthusiastic visionary. You know, this is beyond Marks and Spencer's stuff that's uh, that's gone on, and putting their arms around it. And I think, to me, um, what you get with you is an energy that is the quiet specialist. And I'd suggest to you that gives me a great deal of confidence. But there's steel in that, in, in that, uh, and that's that's what I've experienced um, from you. Um, so I I just I just mentioned this because it's something that might be worthwhile looking at. I mean, any response to that? That you've obviously sort of sat with it for longer than 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 this. this yeah, I, I think I think because you and I were, talked about this several years ago when we first met. Uh, and and not just identified mine, but my co co founders as well. And and I think what it gave us was a much better understanding of the things that frustrated us with one another. And and you know I would I would probably uh, annoy the hell out of those two uh, as as they occasionally did of me as well. Because but that's what you want. You want a team that that has got a great balance of. You know, if, if if we're all quiet specialists, God forbid, then you know we wouldn't have we wouldn't make the big progress that we need to make because you need you need those visionary people with loads of excitement and and you, I mean that's how we found OKRs through through a colleague who was well just let's give this a go I think we can do this uh, my role was let, okay if we can do it let's make sure we do it well and properly and understand what we're doing and research it properly and. That sounds really boring, but I I feel it was quite important. So yeah. we had yeah. uh, we had a, a validated methodology which um, we could replicate, and we straight, straight stayed very true to that uh, down the years. And I think it served us in good stead. Mm-hmm. Um, we've not been drawn into other areas or are doing other things. We've stuck with it. So yeah, uh, I I do see that. Um, and I think the you know, working with you as well, Philip, and we've we've probably been co-supporting each each other down mm. the years because we've had our fortnightly check-in conversations, which is which is part of the nature of the rhythm of of OKRs, is that sort of half an hour once a fortnight just to talk things through. This isn't a, what have you done? Have you not done this? It, it sometimes we'll have to have those conversations because. We've made commitments. with me. <laughs> but you make commitments and you yeah, you see them through. And and I think that's that's great. But again, Peter uses this, I think, more than anyone I've heard say it, and that's the quality of the conversations that OKRs uh tease out. And and I love the story about your wife with COVID because actually it's is the director in the room who's looking at them with his his or her arms folded, thinking this is that they're the people that I mean, critical, being critical, being not taking things on face value is is the essence of a director anyway. If you, if you're just going to roll over and do everything because the MD says so, good luck. That you're not going to get very far. You want to be questioning, but it is those people, and I've seen that in in a board environment in this job, mm. where the person who's most skeptical, and you've won them over, or they've been convinced because they see the method working ends up being the greatest advocate. And I've seen that. And I mean, I could name people who have made that connect, that turning point and come through. And and once they're on your side, whoa, you know, you're really flying. So I, we encourage critical thinking. Critical thinking isn't being critical in a nasty way. Critical thinking is is being uh, thinking in a, in a way which is, t- is uh, um, robust, uh, exacting, 
um, deep um, and thorough. And, and I think that those are qualities that you would want in, in a board. And not necessarily one person, but in a, across a team, for sure. So we've got to draw this conversation to a close i just as, as just as we do i just um was wondering um you've had a very rich career um i know we haven't covered it all there wasn't scope but i mean oxford geography um uh unilever um you know uh, global company and and other smaller smes and and then more latterly you've adopted um the alongsider actually in, as, as as okrs um, just reflecting back on your career and, and, and you know things, your life perhaps. Um, who would it have been um, wonderful to have alongside you as and um, uh, in those times when you had to make a decision about finding your place and taking your place and you know. Well, oh, Philip, it... it would be you, mate. It would be you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to send the check. No, no, uh, we don't do checks anymore. No, no. But seriously, maybe someone from from um, fiction, or it could be the history, or now anybody comes to mind that that you would that you would have loved to had. Because you said to me um, when I asked you if you would do this, you said, "Well, that sounds fun." I don't know how fun this has been. <laughs> Um, no, because I've always enjoyed your co our conversations, and and they stretch me mentally, and and I, and I I thoroughly enjoy them, and look forward to our fortnightly check ins. Um, is there one individual? I I'm I'm not, I'm not really sure. I think part of being a quiet specialist, I was probably a bit of a loner, um, and I think that's something that I've learned down the years that wasn't a good thing. Um, I had to become fairly self reliant. I think moving around with changing schools a lot as a teenager and all of those things you kind of you turn a little bit inward and and just get on with things and find your own way so I think I've, I've tended to be that way but when I've had a great and I've had several um, you know really good mentors I've noticed the difference it makes I had a guy at Unilever who was also loved his sport um, he was a uh, he was my boss and ultimately retired, but I mean, he gave me great encouragement. Uh, another guy at Unilever, a, a managing director, when I first joined, said, and he was the guy who promoted me, said a thing I like about you, Mark, is that that you, um, you know, if you, if you really believe that something has to happen and be done, you'll find a way and you'll find a way around it or you'll get it done. Uh, not necessarily in the most... Um, conventional way and I, and I respect that and I think there's those little bits of encouragement you know kind words at the right time just a few can help enormously um, and they're very very powerful I, I don't think I've been showered with praise in my, in my life I don't find it very comfortable I yeah. probably haven't deserved it but I I think um, you know the right word at the right time good and bad actually bad can be crushing and good can be really really helpful and just you know recognize that there is a role to be played as a mentor i've i've loved doing that for uh you know in this job that i'm doing now but equally in my you know my field of interest rugby where i've encouraged young uh coaches really uh, in their progress and imparted a little of my understanding of the game and and coaching itself uh, and seeing them thrive and i think that that's that's been brilliant so i've loved doing that 
Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Um, I'm, I must say, I've got a, a colleague of mine uh, who, and his mission is is to create better bosses. Um, and of course, there's there's a bit of baggage around that word boss, I think. But I think that the uh, I wonder if what's needed now more than ever are people who will encourage others to come alongside. And um, so I would start any any intervention with saying, I believe you're a good coach or an alongside of yourself, and maybe you could be even better. So it is about improvement, but it's about that, well, what outcomes are you looking for with that mm -hmm. and then what needs to be in place? So very tangible, it's turning that whole intangible into something tangible. And again, I think OKRs does that um, in a very effective way. But look, I just want to thank you um, for your time. It's been brilliant. Um, the the storm that's coming uh, to you and to me um the only truth is that that too will pass <laughs> <laughs> and uh and anyway, i look uh, forward to um to catching up with you again but um for now thank you very much indeed mark it's been a pleasure thank you for take that. care cheers